And very good, thank you. And uh, truly, that is the case. What a wonderful God we do serve uh, here, and He is so gracious, so good to us. And I ask you to take your Bibles tonight with me to the Gospel of Mark, and I'd like you to go to chapter number 4 with me, Gospel of Mark, chapter number 4. Uh, last Wednesday night, we preached on one of the storms uh, during the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ and uh, the apostles sent by the Lord into a boat and there arose a storm. Uh, we're going to look at another storm as the Lord spent, sent his disciples into uh, a second storm, another storm. I had the privilege back in uh, November of 2018 with my wife of traveling to Israel, going to the Sea of Galilee. And it was very uh, clear that you could see how easily a storm could arise on that sea, just as we experience here in the Word of God. Uh, Mark chapter 4, would you stand with me as we open up the Word of God? We're going to read toward the end of the chapter, Mark chapter 4, and uh, join me. We'll pick up here in verse number 35. Uh, Mark 4, verse number 35. And here we read the same day when the even was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent, or when they had sent them away, the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship, and there were also with them other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, and, and here's kind of the thought that we're going to take tonight. Why are you so fearful? Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? I'd like you to join me here this evening. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. And again, in your heart, ask the Lord to have his way. And we so need him here tonight. Father, we thank you. Thank you for this privilege to open your word and Lord, I pray here tonight, wherever the sound of my voice goes forth, that God, you would take this message, use it at the very point of need. Lord, I thank you for your patience in dealing with people, in your patience dealing with me, your patience here with Valley Bible Baptist Church. And Lord, I pray here tonight, give us truth that will be of eternal value. I pray that, uh, God, you would anoint and have your way, uplift, exalt yourself, we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. And you may be seated here. And as you are seated, again, I want you to go back to verse number 40, uh, where the Lord said to them, to the disciples, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? That's an important question that he's asking. It's a question that uh, you and I uh, need to hear tonight. And just in speaking uh, with people, I, I've been amazed uh, just hearing the fear in some of the hearts of people and, and just wondering, what does the future hold? Where is this going to take us? What is this going to do uh, to our religious freedoms across this nation? And, and so many questions, so many uh, fearful things that are in hearts and lives of people. In our particular account, after a long day of teaching, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ said to his disciples, if you'll notice in verse number 35, let us pass over 
unto the other side. And then Jesus and the apostles boarded the ship. Uh, we read in verse number 37, uh, There arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. It's another of those storms that was used to teach the disciples. It's my conviction that nothing happens with the Lord by accident. It's my conviction that when the Lord sent the disciples onto that ship, he knew exactly what was about to happen. He knew that a storm would rise. Uh, we know that nothing takes the Lord by surprise. Uh, we know that in our world today, nothing takes the Lord by surprise. Uh, the disciples were in his will. They were obeying the Lord. They were doing exactly what God called them to do, and the storm arose. Now, we know that this was a great storm. The Bible tells us that the wind and the waves beat into the ship. It was such a, a great storm that the boat was filled with water. And in verse number 38, uh, he was in the hinder part of the ship asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And it's very evident that fear gripped their hearts. Uh, they feared for their very lives. After calming the storm, he rebuked their fear and asked that question, Why are ye so fearful? And then the statement at the end of that verse, How is it that you have no faith? I think all of us have experienced a time of fear. Maybe even through the events that are taking place in our world today. And fear is something that can control us. I was at a store here just this last week, and, and just uh, seeking to strike up conversations with people. And one thing was so evident, there are a lot of people whose hearts are full of fear, fearful, full, filled with fear. They're controlled uh, by fear. And when we're full of fear, we're not controlled by faith. Now, I believe there ought to be a difference between a saved person and a lost person. See, a saved person ought not be controlled by fear. A saved person ought to be controlled by faith. In one sense, fear and faith are opposites. Uh, faith casts out fear, or fear will destroy faith. And that seems very evident in our passage of Scripture. Now, God over and over exhorts His people to walk by faith and not by sight. To walk by faith and to cast out fear. We've kind of used as, as a theme during this time, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse number 7, uh, that says, God had not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, we read, There is no fear in love, but perfect fear or perfect love casteth out fear, because law or fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. He states there, fear had torment. And you know you've been controlled by fear at times, and fear is an awful thing. And there are some people that will not be saved because of fear. I've had people respond to me as I have tried to witness to them. And I've had some say, well, I'm afraid that I'll mess up. I'm afraid that I will fail. I'm afraid that I 
cannot be faithful. I'm afraid that I just can't live the Christian life. And so I'm going to wait, basically, they say, until I can live it so that I can be saved. The problem is you can never live it. Uh, it's something that God has to do in your life. And, and so the Lord uh, says, or faith says, Lord, save me. And I'm going to trust you. I can't live it on my own, but I'm depending upon you to live the Christian life through me, to transform me so that I can live it. Now, I've come across those that are afraid to be baptized. They're afraid of the water, afraid of what others will say. There are some afraid of soul winning. They anticipate rejection, maybe saying the wrong thing. And faith says no matter what, I'm feeling God told me to tell others of Christ, and I'm going to do what God told me in spite of my fears. Now, there are some that are afraid to tithe and give. Uh, if I take uh, or if I tithe and give to missions, then I won't be able to pay my bills, uh, some have felt, and especially at a time like this. And so we find that uh, some are fearful uh, to reach out and do simply what God wants me to do. And faith is going to trust God. Uh, faith says if God told me to do it, then God is going to provide. Now storms are going to come in our finances. Uh, the economy may fail, but if I live by faith, I can trust God for his provision in my life. Uh, some are afraid to preach or teach or afraid to do God's work. I think back to when God called me to preach as a junior in high school. I was afraid of public speaking, quite honestly, afraid of people, just an ultra introvert in my life. God gave to me Jeremiah chapter 1, where he says, Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee. See, God will never ask us to do anything that he will not be with us. His grace is always sufficient in everything that he calls us or asks us to do. Moses, when God spoke to him, was filled with fear. But God said, Moses, I will be with thee. Now maybe you are facing some things in your life, a storm, maybe a crisis in a relationship, our entire nation, our entire world right now going through a crisis, but maybe you're going through something specific, a, a relationship, a financial difficulty, perhaps a, a health issue. I, I was thinking here through this how fear can sometimes fill our hearts. I, I, I was asleep and, and awakened the other night, and uh, when I was awakened, I, I had trouble breathing. My first thought was, I've got the coronavirus. And I thought, uh, my first thought, I'm dying uh, here. That was my thought all of a sudden. And fear gripped my heart until I awakened and, and realized what was taking place. And uh, maybe there's fear over a job situation. Is your heart filled with fear tonight and not faith? Uh, let's look at this passage of Scripture. And I want to examine what the Lord allowed the disciples to face. Uh, understand tonight, if you're saved, you're in God's school. The Lord is teaching you, training you, guiding you, helping you. You're in his hands. So let's look at how we can overcome fear and we can sail through the storm in faith no matter what takes place. I want you to look in verse 35 again, Mark chapter 4. And if we are to overcome fear and have faith, we need to consider his promises. I want you to see this statement. And the same day... When the even was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. 
let us pass over unto the other side. Now, we might say tonight that that's a promise. Uh, the disciples forgot that promise. Uh, when the Lord said, let us pass over to the other side, uh, it, it was as good as done. Uh, it was as if he was saying, when we get into that ship, uh, we're not going to die in the storm. We're going to the other side. That's the promise. We're not getting into the ship to sink in the storm. Now, I want you to notice in chapter 5, verse number 1. And it says, and they came over unto the other side. See, the Lord kept his promise unto them. And God will always, always, always keep his promises. Uh, when the ship was tossed, when it was filled with water, when all hope was gone, they thought they were going to perish, but they forgot that promise that God had given unto them. And how important it is for you and I. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. How important it is that we constantly cling to God's promises. There are thousands of promises. I have no idea how many promises there are in the Word of God. The Bible, we might say tonight, is a promise book. And our fears would fade if we would simply cling to the promises of God and of His Word. Uh, he has promised so many things. He's promised that He would never leave us nor forsake us. He's promised His protection. He's promised His provision. He's promised His presence. He's promised that uh, he will forgive us if we confess our sin and come unto him. He's promised that he would hold us and keep us. He's promised if we're saved, eternal life. He's promised that nothing can take away that eternal life from us. He's promised that nothing would separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And we could go on and on and on tonight with the promises that God has given unto us. And if we're saved tonight, he's in the boat with us. And he has promises to us. And in that boat, he may appear to be asleep at times, but he's going to get you to the other side. That's his promise. He keeps you by his power. I love the verse in Joshua chapter 1 and verse number 9. He says, Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. Uh, see, he's promised to help us, and his promises help us to overcome fear. I want you to look in verse number 37. Not only do we have his promises, but we have his presence, and his presence help, helps us to overcome fear. In verse 37, And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? I think it's pretty evident. The disciples forgot that Jesus was on that ship with them. Master, they spoke, carest thou not that we perish? That's really a pretty dumb question. That meant that Jesus would sink with them. Uh, that meant that God would die. They forgot the presence of Jesus. They forgot who he was and they forgot where he was. And his presence should have been security for them. If you're saved tonight, Jesus is on board the boat with you. The Bible tells us that he has come into the heart. As many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. He, he says, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, 
which is of God, which is in you. Uh, the Lord lives and dwells with his child. He's given to you the comforter tonight. He lives in the heart of every saved person. Now, there may be times, though he's aboard the boat with you, there may be times where he appears to be asleep, and yet he's all-knowing. Uh, you don't have to wake him up and tell him because he sees it all already. He knows already all about it. He's the one that put you on board that boat. I'd like you to keep your place in the Gospel of Mark, and I'd like you to go to, to a really neat passage of Scripture, Psalm 139. I want to read a few verses from there, Psalm 139 tonight. And you can see here the heart of David. David understood this principle of the presence of the Lord in his midst. Psalm 139, verse number 1. He says, O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my downsitting and my uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compasseth my path and my lying down art acquainted with all my ways. I want you to skip to verse number 7. Uh, the psalmist says, Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. Uh, very clearly, David understood he could not escape from the presence of God. Wherever he would go, there the Lord would be with him. And so it is for every child of God in the midst of the coronavirus. Wherever we go, the presence of the Lord goes before us. The Word of God reminds us of his presence and his purpose in that presence. First uh, John chapter 4, verse number 4. You are of God, little children, have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Love the story of the three Hebrew children. They were cast into the fiery furnace, but they were not alone. The king saw a fourth figure in the furnace. And he said, the fourth is like unto the Son of God. Uh, see, God is with you in your fire. He's with you in your storm. Uh, you can't kill God. You can't destroy the Lord. And I, I read the story years ago of a family. They lost all of their possessions in a fire. A little boy was distraught, and his mother comforted him. She wisely said to him, don't worry, son. God didn't die in the fire. And I want you to know here tonight, God hasn't died in the coronavirus. And God hasn't died in what's happening in our nation. He's still on the throne. God didn't drown in the storm, as he, in the case here with the disciples. He didn't die in your fire. <coughs> he didn't leave you when others left. Uh, uh, he didn't fail you when others failed. And uh, he never quit owning the universe. He, he never quit controlling the universe. And he, he never stopped being on his throne. His presence helps us to overcome fear. Now let's go on to verse number 38 back in Mark chapter 4. Not only do we see his presence, but notice his power. And his power helps us to overcome fear. In verse 38, 
He was in the hinder part of the ship asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Now, again, the disciples not only forgot his presence, but they forgot the very power of the one that was aboard that ship with them. See, this is a miracle working God. This was the creator of the universe. This is the one that made the water that they were sailing on. He's the one that made the winds. He's the one that spoke it all into being. And we've been asked the question tonight, is there anything too hard for God? He arose, verse 39, rebuked the wind, and he said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. All Jesus had to do was speak the words. And as he spoke the words, I get the picture of that sea on the Sea of Galilee uh, like a, a, a glass. And they could view their image, the calmness, the peace that came to that situation. The power of God. The power of His Word. See, through faith we understand that He spoke the worlds into being and things that we see were made of things that do not appear. He spoke it all into being Sunday. We preached about Lazarus. All Jesus had to do was speak the words, Lazarus. Come forth, and he that had been dead four days in that tomb, he that now stank, uh, arose from that tomb by the power of God's word. Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Notice their response, verse 41. And they feared exceedingly, and said one to another, what manner of man is this that even the wind and sea obey him? See, he was more than a man. He was the God-man. He's bigger than your storm. He's bigger than the situation in our world today. One word from him was sufficient. One word is all that it takes to calm the storms in your life if he so desires. One word, he can restore that which is broken. Uh, he can give peace in the midst of the raging waves. And despite what this world experiences all around him, when the Lord speaks peace to your heart, your heart can be still. He's powerful tonight. He has the power to change lives. He has the power to answer prayer. He has the power to heal the brokenhearted. He has the power to set the captive free. Love the story in the Old Testament of King Hezekiah. The king of Assyria threatened the land of Judah. He came marching against Hezekiah with a mighty army. Hezekiah prayed. And in one night, one angel of God slew 185,000 of the enemy. All it took was one word from God, and the victory was given. I love to read the deliverance of David from the hand of Saul, and how over and over God delivered him. I remember one particular occasion. David was surrounded by Saul's armies. It looked hopeless for David. 
But God stirred another enemy of Saul in another part of the kingdom, and Saul was forced to leave David. See, it's very clear. God is able. And so we need to remember today, when fear grips our hearts, uh, we have His presence, and we have His, His power, and we have His promises. But I want you to think of another aspect here tonight. As you look at the context, not only do we have those aspects, but His past works help us to overcome fear. See, the disciples forgot all that they had seen Jesus do. They've walked with the Lord. They've seen His miracles of healing. He's made the lame to walk and the blind to see, lepers and the demon possessed. He's raised the dead. They've experienced miracle after miracle. They've seen the miracles of provision, uh, the feeding of the multitudes, the miracles of nature and other storms and all that they have experienced, but they forgot. And aren't we just like the apostles? So often God has been at work. He's worked miracles. He's answered prayer. He's worked in your life. He's been with you through past storms. He's guided over and over. If you're saved tonight, He worked a miracle in your life. The moment you cried out to the Lord Jesus Christ, in a moment of time, He forgave your sin. In a moment of time, He blotted out the transgressions. In a moment of time, He came into your life. He took up residence in your life and He began to change you and He worked that miracle to give you a home in heaven. And if God has worked in our past, if God has been good to you in your past, if God has answered prayers in your past, you can expect God to work in your present. I think of David. Before David killed Goliath, David also had slain the lion and the bear. God had given victory in David's life, so Goliath was nothing. God had worked in his past, and God knew, or David knew, that God was present and would be present in his present. I think of the children of Israel. God was so good to them. He worked the plagues in Egypt. He parted the Red Sea. He gave provision, water from the rock, manna from heaven. He worked miracle after miracle after miracle. Yet in each situation that they faced, they forgot what God had done for them in the past. I want to challenge you tonight. Don't forget God's blessings in your life in the past. Don't forget how God has been good to you, how God has answered your prayers and what God has done. I, I have to remind myself so often uh, of, of the Lord's past works. I, I think about in, in ministry. I remember the first time that, that I preached a message. I studied and studied a, a whole week. My preacher had asked me to preach and, and I think it was on a Sunday evening and I studied and prepared and and so nervous to stand up in front of people and stood up to preach every bit of six minutes. And boy, it just went forth. And, but God was good to me. And I remember the, the first funeral that, that I ever did and so nervous and that didn't know what to do. And, and yet the Lord was so good. 
And the first time that I, that I baptized, so afraid that I was going to drown that person in the water. But God was so good in the first wedding. And remember the first time of, of really opening the Bible and, and witnessing to someone. And, and I've seen over and over, and I, I've told uh, preachers uh, that sometimes when you don't know what to do, you just get out and act like you know what you're doing anyway. And, and, and just give it to the Lord and trust the Lord. And you'll find that God is so good to you. And if He's worked in your past, you can trust Him to work in your presence. And so those past works of God will help us in overcoming fear in our lives. I want you to look back with me, and I want to give you one more principle. and I want to relate this to what God is doing in your life and to when we come through the experiences that we're facing right now. I want you to look in chapter 4, again, verse number 35. And I believe His purposes can help you to overcome fear. We read here, The same day when the even was come, He saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. I believe there was a reason to go to the other side. I want you to skip to chapter 5 and verse number 1. And it reads, And they came over unto the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs. And no man could bind him, no, not with chains. Because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. Jesus said, we're going to go to the other side. And when they arrived on the other side, there was a man named Legion, as we read through this passage of Scripture. And we read this man came running to Jesus, and though he was demon-possessed, he worshipped the Lord, even the demons knew who the Lord was. And as we see this man bowing before the Lord, the Lord healed this man by one word. And I believe there was a purpose to go to the other side. There was a man that needed to be saved. There was a man that needed the Lord. And you understand tonight, always in every storm, God has a purpose. He knows where he's going. History is his story. He's on the throne. He's working in our world. He's moving us to the other side. He's accomplishing his purposes. If you're a student of Bible prophecy, you understand we are living in the most exciting days and all the history of the world in which to live. See, the Lord knows what He's doing. I believe there are some that have been saved through this storm that never would have been saved had it not been for this storm. God has used this particular storm to work in the hearts and lives of people. There are some men like Legion who've cried out to the Lord. I shared on Sunday of reading statistics. Agnostics have been purchasing Bibles because they're concerned about what's happening in the world and they're understanding the Bible may have an answer for them. Uh, there are people all over the world that are being drawn to their knees because of what's taking place in our world today. And some have been saved. 
that never would have been saved. But quite honestly, there are a lot of saved people who had come cold or grown cold in their walk with the Lord. And there are some that have surrendered anew. I believe the Lord has allowed kind of a wake-up call, a kind of a, a time in our lives, a time in America, a time in our world, and a time Valley Bible Baptist Church where we can sit back and reflect and uh, where we can look at this situation and be grateful for those things that God had given unto us. God is at work, and He has a purpose in the storm. See, the Lord has a ministry on the other side of the storm. One day we're going to be on the other side. And my plan is to begin to preach here in the next few weeks in preparation for that time. I've shared recently that God has stirred in my heart in a new way and, and things and, and, and dreams and guidance and things that we've wanted to see here at Valley Bible Baptist. And so I, I want to begin to preach in direction and planning for that other side of the storm. And I believe God desires to do some things now. And, and we've said don't waste the storm and allow the storm to draw you closer to the Lord and, and to bring about a new commitment to the Lord and to prepare you for the then, to prepare you for those legions that are going to come again you as you come to the other side of the storm. And let this storm bring to your heart a new commitment, a new surrender unto the Lord, a new commitment in faithfulness. See, God has a place of service for you. Uh, I think we'll come through this and be forever grateful for the local church that God has given to us. See, we can take some things for granted and they can so easily be taken from us. There are some of you, God has a place of service for you. There are some that God has been stirring upon your heart, uh, maybe a call to preach or a call to the mission field, and, and you would just say, Lord, I, I've been running from that, but here I am, I surrender, and I, I'll be whatever you want me to be, and I, I'll go wherever you want me to go, and, and I'll do whatever you want me to do, and, and Lord, here's my, my body, here's my life, and I, I yield it unto you. And that's what the Bible said, beloved brethren, uh, surrender as a living sacrifice your life. See, on the other side of the storm, there are people that you can reach. On the other side of the storm, there are some Sunday school classes that need to be taught. On the other side of the storm, there are some van routes and some people that need to surrender to work on those routes. On the other side of the storm, there's a Bible college that needs to be fully implemented. On the other side of the storm, there are some churches that need to be planted and some lives that need to be touched. And we're going to be sharing at our 9 a.m. Facebook Alive just a few of those visions in the next day and God's purpose for you. And so don't let this storm destroy you. You come through the storm because the Lord is good and His presence is real. And on the other side, He's got a purpose for you. Maybe Jesus is asking you, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Go back to Mark chapter 4. Now I want you to notice in verse number 38, a statement. He was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him. Say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? You ever been in the storm and you wonder exactly as the apostles? Lord, don't you care? Don't you know what's happening? 
See, when we face the storm, Satan wants to make us think that the Lord doesn't care, that the Lord has forgotten us, that the Lord is asleep. And when we allow those thoughts, then our hearts are filled with fear. The Lord wants us to have just the opposite response. He wants us to step forth by faith. And He uses the storm to show us His promises. They're real. And He uses the storm to reveal to our lives His His very presence that He never leaves us nor forsakes us. And if we know Him, maybe He appears to be asleep, but He's there. And I was thinking back to a time in my own life. After I'd been saved, Lord, I I wondered where He had gone. And what I did not realize is, is though I could not sense him, he was there and he was doing some things in the midst of the storm that I, I wouldn't be prepared to do what I'm doing now had it not been for that time of silence in my life. And so there's his presence and he uses the storm to show us his power. As we preached on Sunday morning, because of the death of Lazarus, they had an opportunity to experience things through that death that they never would have experienced had it not been for those events. And the Lord is giving you an opportunity at this time to experience His power in a way that maybe you've never experienced His power before. This storm ought to draw your attention to the past works of the Lord. He's never failed you yet. He won't fail you now. He'll carry you through. And perhaps the Lord wants you to see in the midst of this storm His purpose for the other side. He's on the throne. He's in control. He's guiding you to a plan and to a purpose, to a legion on the other side of the storm that needs to be saved. I want us tonight, wherever you are, if you would come to the Lord with me, every head bowed and every eye closed, And I want us tonight to come into the presence of the Lord and and perhaps, I I don't know what you're going through, I don't know what the fear is in your heart, don't know what you're facing, don't know what you're dealing with, but I know this, God's on the throne. He's God. You may be like the disciples, your hearts are filled with fear, you feel like the boat is full of water and you're about to sink, but He's there. He's not going to let you sink. Maybe you're listening in tonight. You do not know the Lord. If you died, you would not spend eternity with Jesus Christ. You know in the depths of your heart that you're lost tonight and God has been dealing with you. And can I challenge you tonight, would you cry out to the Lord? Admit to Him that you're a sinner in need of a Savior. And tonight, would you bow your heart to Jesus Christ and and believe upon Him. He died in your place. He paid the debt that you owe. You can never be good enough to earn your way to heaven. Would you tonight cry out to the Lord? Maybe you are a child of God, but you have not been in the will of God. You've not been surrendered with your life. Maybe there are some things in your heart that you know are wrong. Some areas where you've been out of the will of God. The Lord's given you this storm. He's got a plan for you on the other side. You don't want to waste the storm. You want to use this to accomplish God's will. Would you say yes in your heart? With their heads bowed, eyes closed. In our church, we have an opportunity at an old-fashioned altar just to come and 
surrender, and yet to let the Lord have His way. Many tears have been cried at this old-fashioned altar. Wherever you are tonight, would you make an altar in your home and bow your knee to the Lord. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for the mighty power that you showed in the midst of the storm. Thank you, Lord, that you're God. Nothing takes you by surprise. You know every need, every heart. And I pray here tonight, in whatever manner, whatever way you've dealt with a life, Lord, there would be a surrender. There's somebody right now, they need to call out upon you. You're knocking upon their heart. And right now, Lord, that they would surrender and say yes to you. Lord, there's a child of yours that's been away from you, maybe in rebellion, in an area of their life out of your will. Maybe somebody serving themselves and not serving you. And Lord, would you use this time for a new surrender, a new commitment. Have your way, we pray. As our heads are bowed,